I'm Todd Dills. I've told the story in Overdrive of Mark and Mitch White, their father Bo, and the family's old-time express fleet based in Hartsville, Tennessee. I've told it before, but the Whites were in the conditional raiding purgatory several years back now and chose to move over to E-Logs in part to get out of it. The years since have been, well, here's how Mark, old-time's operations manager, sums things up. It, it's, a, it's a tough industry and, you know, every day is a struggle, but I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. Chief among the difficulties he's experienced these last several years is an adaptation to the new electronic reality of the fleet. It hasn't all been without its bumps in the road, as you'll hear in the conversation that follows, but with focus on improving rates with customers, expanding the use of preloaded trailers on either end of drivers' round trips where possible, and the close attention to the collecting detention and adjusting hourly rates and policies with shipper customers and brokers, Mark White believes Old Time has at this point worked out the ELD kinks more or less. Both he and his brother Mitch are hopeful that, provided the ELD mandate is implemented on the current timeline, conditions change further in all truckers' favor, delivering more rate increases. Mark is more positive, however, on that score than Mitch, as you'll hear. Nonetheless, you've heard Mark. So here's his brother, responsible for maintenance in the Hartsville shop. I'm, I'm Mitch White. He'll be back later. But Mark starts things off, giving the profile of the fleet and telling the story in brief of how Old Time Express came to be saddled with its Omnitrax Evolve system. About 25 trucks, uh, all drive and I'd say predominantly automotive or automotive related, but uh, we haul a lot of other stuff too, paper products and whatnot. And uh, I think last check, uh, about 85% direct customer freight versus about 15% broker freight. That's a good, uh, sounds like a favorable mix. It sounds like you're probably doing a lot of direct freight on uh, on both ends. So you're running from uh, base there in Hartsville, Tennessee, uh, up into the Midwest mostly, or are you going uh, elsewhere? Uh, mainly the Midwest, a little bit of Southeast. Uh, we actually venture over into Ontario, Canada. I'd say maximum length of haul is probably just shy of 700 miles one way. I know uh, the reason we're on this uh, talking today is um, old time. We've we've told this story uh, in Overdrive past, uh, but we haven't checked in on it in a while. But how long have uh, have you guys been uh, been utilizing electronic logs at this point? Uh, it's been about four years. Uh, we uh we got in some trouble and uh, <laughs> uh we got spanked pretty good and uh, we 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 made the choice to uh to go the electronic route we kind of kind of figured there'd been enough talk about it that we we were pretty confident that it was going to end up going the route that it looks like it's going to go so uh, our thinking was kind of get out on the front end of it and uh get the kinks worked out and hopefully uh be in a better position you know when it when it finally did become law and i i feel like we we pretty well accomplished that um it it's uh there was some you know there was a learning curve and some growing pains with it but uh i think we've we've gotten past all that okay. what, what what kinds of uh adjustments did you have to make operationally um, in that learning curve i guess biggest thing is uh how how we schedule drivers how we how we uh what freight we book uh in fact we just we just did a, a bid package for a, a, a larger customer last week and anything over 650 miles one way we, we didn't even 
we didn't even bid on it just because uh, you can't you can't do it in one stretch with a single driver. So you'd end up having to take uh, multiple breaks on on the round trip, and uh, it just ends up tying your truck up too much. And of course, the customer is not going to want to pay pay the premium that it would take for you to uh, offset that extra that extra time. So we felt like that was the the better way to approach it. Um, Obviously, you know, you, you have to take into account, you know, traffic and weather and stuff like that. But under normal conditions, you know, a driver can run 600, 650 miles in a shift, take his break, turn around, come back. Um, right. So you're so it is it is causing you to sort of uh, uh, miss out on uh, on some some business that you could have uh, chosen to actually, chosen to go after in this case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it will. Um, we've always kind of done drop and hook for for certain customers. I know that we've increased the number of drop and hook situations that we do. And uh, gotcha. one of the first things we look at with a, a new lane or a new customer is, you know, can we drop and hook on one end or both ends? Or you know, it 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 it, it just speeds up the process if the customer holds up their end. You know, if they've got the stuff preloaded like it's supposed to be, live loading and live unloading is still the biggest. The biggest hurdle to, to overcome with it, um, yeah, right. But, uh, I, I, I think as far as the carriers go, it, it's 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 on us to go out and try to educate our customers better about you know what 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 impact they have on us being able to transport their freight. You said you had noticed that uh, there are uh, some shippers putting out um, bids for. For their freight for the coming year, a little earlier than than normal, and that seemed to indicate to you that that they that these folks really believe that something fundamental is about to change uh, in terms of pricing. Well, I'd read an article about it a few weeks ago in another magazine, okay. and uh, that that kind of just put it on my radar. I, I'd never really thought about it, and then you know, just last week, you know, one of our bigger customers, and they have a ton of freight. You know, they put out a, a they put everything out for bid, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of them are just they're, they're trying to get on the front end and get some some uh, some pricing, you know, nailed down because I, I think they realize too that that you know pricing could go go up and go up quite a bit, and they want to have some cost certainty. Um, I don't think all shippers are going to do it. Luckily for us, you know, we got a lot of customers where we're just we're just on spot rates, you know. They call me up, hey, I got this low. What's it gonna cost me? And I just give them a rate. But right. the the customer that you know was putting it out for bid, we 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 bid it, we bid it to make money, you know, regardless of you know what time of year it is. And yeah. hopefully, we get some of it, and we can uh, we can continue to make money. This customer of yours that you're talking about, in particular here, that, that put this bid out recently, is it is something? Is this something that um, that they do on a, a regularly predictable regular predictable schedule, or is it, uh, or was this uh, kind of an unexpected? It was kind of unexpected. We 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 had no no prior indication that it was even even coming out until the email came across, and um, we just figured it was probably just a you know one off bid on you know a particular lane or something, and it it ended up being the entire the entire package. And some of that may be because they they realize that some carriers may not may not choose to comply. That may be where they're they're you know already compliant with EODs stipulation came in. Um, you know when 
when it comes to, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before, uh, Mark, and, and we said a little bit yesterday, but uh, the subject of, uh, of rates um, and, and electronic logging devices, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, when you're, you're bidding with customers or you're talking with your customers uh, and, and with brokers, do, do, does having e-logs in place really help you at all in that uh, negotiation when it comes to you know, line haul rates and, and detention? Uh, and another pricing, I guess, at this point? Well, the bid package we just did last week, one of the requirements was that you already had to be EOD compliant. Um, wow. So I don't know. There's a lot of carriers that, that pull for this customer. I don't. I can't say you know with certainty that they all currently are EOD compliant, but that's one of the stipulations that this customer asked for. Um, I, I just, as far as brokers go, um, we do have a few of the larger ones that, that, that you know, want to know about it. Um, I'd say a lot of the smaller ones, you know, still, you know, right now just don't care, just get it moved. And, and uh, we have a brokerage also, and I can't say that I sit here and ask them, you know, if they're ELD compliant currently. Uh, I mean, that's, I, I don't know, from a broker standpoint, right now, I, 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 you know, it's up to the carrier. Now, come December, you know, obviously, then we're going to have to sit here and say, hey, you know, you're not, but I don't. I don't know how people are going to go about proving it. I mean, I, I really sure. haven't put a lot of thought into that. Sure, probably. Uh, I don't know. Honor system. If you're if you're still running, uh, you should be uh, should be compliant with it, I guess. <laughs> but, well, uh, you got the, the you got the 99 and older loophole that a lot of people are going to yeah. try to exploit, and I, I don't I don't blame them. I I understand where people are coming from, but. That's the one thing I love and I hate about trucking is it constantly evolves. It's always changing. I mean, you know, everybody thought 53-foot trailers were going to be the end of it, and then the electronic engines were going to be the end of it. And I mean, it's just it, it's constantly evolving. And my brother and I, we we just, I mean, you either evolve with it or you go do something else. And this is what we want to do, so we're we're trying to learn to do it this way. So yeah, I mean, having having ELDs in place uh, certainly has has allowed you to remain in the in the door, or get in the door with certain shippers that that want it. Um, but you know, when you get back to that that the question, the one thing that I had in my mind was this whole notion of uh, of it being a, sort of putting pressure on, uh, on on folks to pay more for for certain lanes. Is that you know, is that uh, is that happening at this point? And I know everybody's sort of predicting it at the end of the year here. You know, what what are your thoughts uh, on on that whole situation in terms of uh, you know, ELDs putting that upward pressure on pricing? Mitch and I talked a lot about it. He we don't necessarily agree a hundred percent. He doesn't think it's going to have the impact that I, I think it will. Um, I think it will have an impact at some point. I think right now, if you try to go get in a rate increase, you're going to get a polite no, and somebody else is going to get your freight because um, there's a lot of downward pressure on rates right now. I don't know if it's just desperation, you know, people trying to get all they can get before they get out, or or, or if it's just just natural competition. But um, I, I honestly see, you know, the end of this year, maybe not, you know, right in December, but definitely first quarter of next year. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of opportunity to, uh, to to pick up some rate increases on some current freight, and and beyond that, there, there's probably going to be a lot of new freight to be able to uh, to capture because I do think that some companies will 
shut down just because they don't want to comply or they won't be able to comply. I think if you can stand it for the next six or eight months, uh, there, there's going to be some reward on the other side. Mitch, it sounds like you have a, Mark says you have a different point of view on that. Eh? I don't think as many people are going to get out of uh, trucking as what uh, Mark thinks. Okay. So I, I don't think as far as the, the rates, uh, I don't I don't think the rates are really going to go up. I think a few will get out, but for the most part, they're all going to uh, adapt. And uh, we hear that kind of, kind of story over and over again. I've talked to other people who say, you know, okay, this is this is what people said when you know the CDL came into play. This is what people said when uh, the uh, you know the, the, the National Registry of Medical Examiners came into play, but uh, you know, there really wasn't a there never was really a sustained uh, improvement in pricing that uh, that happened after any of those events, and then this one may be uh, more of the same in that regard. One one thing I you know as far as like in the shop uh, maintenance that I have noticed since we went to electronic logs, you know, it put a little bit more strain on us. Uh, you know, if the truck needs you know repair. The uh, drivers just have just a certain amount of time to drive, so you kind of have to uh, get the truck repaired, you know, within that amount of time, uh, right. or they have to go on another truck. Whereas before, you know, you could kind of have some wiggle room, if you would. Right. So it's 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 sort of not only put the uh, the sort of scheduling. It's it's made scheduling more more important for operations and for the drivers, but just for you as well. So. But. When it comes to maintenance of these uh, of these things, I've I've heard of uh, I've heard, you know part of issues with uh, the interface between the ECM and electronic logs that happen sometimes that you know, when you get when you get some moisture issues in the wiring those kinds of things. Have you have you, um, you know, is there anything that um, you know our readers uh, need to be aware of that you've seen in terms of maintenance of the devices themselves and, and, and how they connect or how they connect to the truck? We we hadn't as far as that. The only thing that kind of gives us the issue is uh it, it reads off the uh, speed sensor. Uh, so sometimes you'll get some speed in speed sensor uh, codes or um, like uh, a part of the uh, uh, we run Qualcomm. You know either the brain uh, will just go out or the screen and we'll have to replace it. But like as far as the the wiring. Or you know, even on the truck side, we hadn't really, you know, had a issue. You know, if if we have a problem, most cases it's it's with inside the Qualcomm. You know, we just replace it and go on. But other than that, I mean, they're pretty, you know, pretty uh, maintenance free. Gotcha. Yeah, Mark. I also, you know, one of the things that we talked about, I think, last time we had a, had a substantial conversation was uh, was the was detention and detention pay. Um, I, I think um, if, uh, from your experience, and I think we talked about this for that story, it's been a couple of years now, but um, I think you mentioned that uh, electronic logs have really helped you, uh, helped you in that regard in terms of there not being any question of you know, where the truck is and how long it's been there kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it, also, it definitely helps with being able to prove it. Yeah, yeah. And you also mentioned, I think, at that time that um, that you had been thinking about uh, kind of boosting your your sort of standard detention 
uh, hourly rate. Uh, I was wondering if that happened, and um, you know, if any, if there's been any other thinking about that at this point. Yeah, we we went up on our detention uh, rate. I mean, we had charged you know fifty dollars an hour after two hours for forever. Um, now, I mean, we still we're still currently giving them the two hours, but we charge a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, I feel like a truck. It, it, it needs to be earning a minimum, you know, a hundred dollars an hour. And, and it's it's really handy, you know, now because I can prove, you know, to the minute when my truck, you know, arrived, when they departed. Uh, you know, just the other day we had a, an instance where a customer was trying to say that a truck never showed up, you know, and we were able to pull up and, you know, yes, my truck entered your gate at X time and without at X time, that that sort of thing. So it, it's it's really handy to be able to to be able to do that. And it's it's it even helps with payroll. I mean, you know, uh, I got some guys that, that work hourly. You know, instead of them having to have a time sheet or a time card or something, you know, you know, every day I've got their hours worked right there in front of me. You know, to the minute. Uh, you right. know, payroll doesn't have to track anybody down trying to get time records. You know, we 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 have time records instantaneously. On the detention uh, stuff, do you do you? Um, I think we had a. When we talked last uh, last time, I think you mentioned you had already been um, sort of making sure that uh, that any in any brokered load agreement there was a an understanding that it was one hundred dollars an hour an hour after one hour. Are you still sticking to that with most of your brokered? Uh, we, we we try we try to. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, supply and demand dictates what you can and can't do. I mean, if I'm in this situation sure. where there are a lot more trucks than loads, you know, you you know, you you have no no leverage at all. But you know, in situations where there are more more loads than trucks, then obviously you can kind of dictate your own terms. I, I think it, it's just going to take a it's just going to take a, a fundamental shift industry wide. You know, two hours, you know, has always been kind of standard. I think that's going to have to that's going to have to come down. Um, I mean, you take just a typical load. If you spend two hours loading and then two hours unloading, then that's 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 four usable hours that you've lost. That's that's the big thing is just this productivity. And and I mean, you're going to lose some productivity just because you go from paper to uh, to to electronic. But it's not all on the trucking company. It's going to take you know shippers and receivers are going to have to understand that they play a bigger role in it than anybody. From your point of view, it sounds like uh, you think that the ELD uh, wide uh, wide use of ELDs at the end of the year here, as soon as things sticks, uh, is going to going to really drive some of that. I, I I think it will, and I know a lot of people, especially a lot of drivers, would probably like to cut my head off when I say this. But I mean, we were we were raised in the industry, and you were just. It was said so many times it was beat into your brain. You can't make money running legal. You can't make money running legal. And we figured out over the last four years that, yeah, it it, 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 it takes a little bit, you know, uh, away from you, but you can still make money. You can still be successful. You can run legal. But the biggest thing is, is trucking has been shooting itself in the foot for, for decades. You know, if we're going to sit here and we, we decide to, you know, make a stand and we're going to, we're going to run legal, the next guy down the street, he's like, well, you know, well, I'll run it illegal and I'll get it done. And I think that artificially depresses rates. Whereas if everybody was on a level playing field, everybody was running legal, 
rates are going to have to come up. I, I think, you know, as an industry, we've done it to ourselves over the years. And I mean, I get where guys are coming from. Hey, I'm 30 minutes from home. I run out of hours. You know, I got to stop and take a 10 hour break. I, I get all that. And I, I, I think the current, the current law rule, once it goes, you know, 100% ELD, I think they'll have to come back and they'll have to look at it and they'll have to make some minor adjustments. I think one minor adjustment, if they would just ease up on that 14-hour rule, maybe give a couple hours leeway on it, uh, right. I think that'll impact safety more than anything. There definitely are some things happening that are kind of moving in that direction already. You've got uh, folks studying uh, you know, more such good in a split sleeper, which could do some of that too. Um, well, like the 30-minute break. I think the 30-minute break, in theory, it sounds good. In practice, it, it's it's a joke. In theory, they want the guy to stop and you know take a walk or get something to drink or go use the restroom, you know. And in fact, you got guys pulling in truck stops, tying up parking spaces, sitting at the steering wheel, <laughs> squeezing it to death because they're mad because they got to sit and wait 30 minutes. You know, I mean, it, I, it's it's yeah. just it's pointless. Well, yeah, I mean, there there could be some positives. I mean, in the end, the end uh, message I think here. Yes from you, Marcus, that there could be some positives coming out of this, uh, uh, even though uh, you know, kick and scream all the way there. It's just it's just a, another evolution. I mean, you go all the way back to before deregulation. Deregulation came along. You know, that was going to be the end of the world. Well, it wasn't the end of the world. It changed everything. You know, I see all the negatives from deregulation, but then the positives from deregulation. How many trucking companies are in business today because of deregulation? We're one of them. No deregulation, no old time express. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a natural evolution.